AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Uh, check, check. Yeah. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Yo, coming in, spitting like a bat out of hell. A lot of alt-right want to see the Mac in a cell. But they aren't bright. What they try, happen to fail. And they can't keep up, so they tattle and tell. But they are stupider. I stay on nuclear. Hit the law with a juke and then take a scooter to Jupiter. Ooh, ooh. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. But I go slow, yellow and green. Mellow ass lean, cross legs and the fold arms. About to have a conversation with Soul Con. Dope knife, lingua franca is Voltron. Y'all ain't never heard shit, yo, hold on. <laughs> hey. Yo, what's up? Dope knife. I'm lingua franca. And we are waiting on reparations. Hurry up, bastard. No, <laughs> I just I had to, I had to throw that in there in the spirit of our topic today. Of uh, well, yeah, no, you beat me to the punch because I was gonna like throw in one too, but yeah, yeah. So to this week, well, before we get into the topic this week, how are you? What's good? What's going on? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I you know can't complain about much. Just super busy, but otherwise, you know, life is life is treating me. Yeah, pretty you're good in the right process now. of opening a studio. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I got myself a little studio space, so I'm, like, still in the process of getting all the equipment in and stuff like that, but, you know, That's just, dumb. you know, just doing little, little side project things. I started working on a new album, too, but, um... Fantastic, yeah. You know, all that sort of stuff, but we, we have a extremely stacked episode, and one that I'm pretty excited to deliver, so I think we're just gonna get into it. Today, we're gonna be talking about an aspect of this hip-hop thing that we both have some experience in. We might have mentioned it once or twice or a million times on the show before, but we're going to be talking about the art 
of battle rapping. Or should I say the culture of battle rapping? One of, one of the two. The, the lines are, they're kind of blurry. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's, there's, there's a lot of things, you know, when, when it comes to, to doing hip hop and also being, uh, I hate using the word conscious, but being, you know, involved or aware of politics, in your case, involved in politics, like directly. Yeah. You, you come across a lot of aspects of it, um, that are kind of ingrained in the culture as it exists now that don't necessarily vibe with who you are politically or ideologically. We kind of touched on this in the uh, more money, more problematic episode, but um, I, I, I would say, and, and we probably haven't experienced it as much, but because we you know we're both on the more on the recording performing side of things, but we have like, you know, background dabbling in battle rap but the aspect that i think would probably find you conflicting with that the most would probably be battle rap you know what i'm saying yeah akin to the mo money mo problematic episode where we talk about like club bangers that you put on you kind of ignore their lyrical content because it's so fine but like you just you just get in the moment i think battle rap culture and then like the cypher as a space um is another place where like you kind of have to leave your your moral uh, your uh, your moral compass at the door. Yeah, well, you, I mean, get, you know, and, and so we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. Um, well, it, it, it's like um, you know, some a, a wise MC once told me when I was first starting, he was like, uh, finding your voice as like a rapper. It's all about finding who you are it's like who you are in real life but with the volume turned way up you know what i'm saying and like mm-hmm. the battle rap when you get into battle rap mode and like when you do it seriously when you're like just you know messing around with your friends it's one thing but when you're like doing it in a competition format where you actually really want to win that's when that like character mask comes on and you're like you're not you're not Kendrick Mack anymore you know because anybody who knows me personally like I'm I'm always smiling and shit you know what I mean but it's like in battle mode you're like in a fugue state of <laughs> of of rap and and like lyrical sparring that it, it's it's kind of hard to describe so we're gonna get into that and we're going to be talking about that very subject with um battle rapper extraordinaire and leftist activist soul Khan who's going to come up. We're going to talk about how he deals with that conflict as well as his background in hip hop and how he got into battle rap and just how he's witnessed it evolve through, through the, through the days. So getting into things, battle rap, you know, more or less is believed to have started in the East coast of New York back in the 1980s. But Mariah, if you had to describe to somebody, like if, if someone, you know, had hadn't even seen eight mile, like someone coming in that blind, if they just like asked you, what is battle rap? I heard of it. How would you describe it to them? Well, I feel like someone might be familiar with the concept of freestyle, but ahead of their awareness of some of the um, some of the conventions of battle rap as a subgenre within that general style. And so with freestyle, I mean, you're imp- it's improvisation, it's metered, it's rhymed. Um, but within battle rap, it's it's a contest. And so it's drawing on anything from the physical mannerisms, the man- manner of speech, the per- where someone's from of your of your content your fellow contestant, of the person who's stepping to you in that space. 
um, to determine who has not only the best lyricism with regards to like metaphors and analogies akin to the way we might um, evaluate rap at large, but I think there's particularly a, a comedy component yeah. that you don't always see in a lot of other rappers. I mean, you see a little bits here and there, but particularly like making jokes on someone and making the crowd laugh, like you know, make, like making the crowd like freak out with um, your, your quick thought, but particularly like bringing someone down a peg with uh, you know references to what shoes they're wearing, what hat they got on, that you slept with a girlfriend, think, like that I, that sort of thing I as like bringing, the punchline. A peg is a little bit of an understatement. <laughs> yeah. you, you're trying to bring them down like a whole, a whole like twenty feet of bringing them down. You're trying no, to I, make it. You're trying to make it so that they never return to that venue again. Exactly. Yes. No, I, I I agree with like I that description is like spot on. I think it's like a it's like a when you get past the musical element of it, and we're gonna get a little bit into that too. But once once you get past the musical element of it, that it's you know, rapping and, uh, you know, over a beat. It's kind of like a battle of wits, you know, especially when you get into the freestyle zone. It's like, who you know, because you can come in with stuff prepared or things in mind, but when you're reacting off of what the person said and when that person's reacting off of what you said or you're reacting off of things that happened during that day and you're bringing it up in the battle, like all of those things add to it, but you bringing up the comedic element that pretty much is the key that's like the strategy to like winning 80 percent of battles is if you're funny and if you make people laugh at your opponent you know that that's kind of the goal right there so however you can do that I, i know some people that are able to do that in like a a very self-deprecating Seinfeld sort of way. There are people who yeah. are able to do that in like a tough guy screaming sort of way and yeah. and everything in between, but that's kind of the goal of it. I think, I mean, there's, I, I will never forget this particular rap battle I was in where um, uh, this MC I was up against won the battle by taking away everything I could possibly say about him. I was up against this like short white guy and everyone always made fun of him for being short and white and like, you know, imminent comparisons. And like he got up there and was just like super self-deprecating and had everybody rolling, losing their minds laughing. And I had nothing left to make a joke about him about because like, what am I going to call him short again? Like, what am I going to, you know, like call him the Keebler elf? He just, he literally just did that. And so, yeah, there is, you can flip it on your head, but mostly those, you know, slights are aimed at your opponent but i think i think where this intersects with like one's personal politics is like you're discursively positioning yourself in the space in a hierarchy of skill with regards to your linguistic dexterity um etc but in the the joke making aspect you're also positioning yourself in hierarchies uh, along lines of race gender class ethnicity sexuality street affiliation um so you're putting somebody down like oh like you know you ain't really black or you're a woman or you're gay or you're or i think you're gay or oh you're mexican or you're latino or you're latino or you're asian as a way of like through the wordplay creating a hierarchy you know based on like the black the straight black male is at the top of the hierarchy in in a battle rap space and everybody else like whether real or perceived um trying to put someone on you know a lower rung than you and so whether or not that actually aligns with your politics outside of that space 
you know, whether or not you really like think Latinos are less than you, or you really want to go around making jokes about LGBTQ people, um, is where the is is where like the the moral rug gets a little slippery under your feet. Yeah. In this space, and I guess like something that we want to kind of unpack today. Um, I've definitely um been in some circles where I've I've been in you know a, a lot of odd hip hop circles but I've been in a lot of battle spaces where you know it's in real life it's like all all sorts of people who are there on all different you know from all different walks of life but within the confines of the arena of battle rap there's kind of like that understanding amongst everybody that you know it's it's just battle rap you know what I'm saying so from that aspect people don't really people who are in those spaces don't really take it that way but to like a, to an outsider being in there it's like you're li- you're listening to it you're like oh my god can you believe that person said xyz can you believe that other person said xyz this is this is crazy and then the two of them are like shaking hands and getting a drink and like smiling afterwards it's, you know it's exactly exactly yeah and i I've often reference that aspect of battle rap as like very formative for like how i operate within the political sphere and why i think that battle rapping and freestyling activities like that actually gear people up for like civic leadership into this weird way because like when I go to a meeting at City Hall I can like be yelling until I'm spitting in people's face but afterwards like oh you know have a good you know have a good have a good night Mike you'll have your wife and shit um just like in a in a battle when someone come at me like oh you're lesbian you don't shave your legs and your hair nappy and and then like but at the end of it, like you, you dap and you have a shot together, and it's like all good and all chill. Yeah. Um, oh, particularly a, with, like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Go for it. No, 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 no. I have a good story, but I'll tell it. I'll tell it at the end of it. Um, but yeah. So some of the, let's uh let's get into some of the uh, earliest uh, references to battling. So. So yeah, you brought up that battle rap started with East Coast hip hop during the 1980s, but really this this uh, ritual. Or this, or this tradition of ritual insult go within the black community goes back, you know, it was first documented by Yale psychologist John Dollard in 1939 um, when he was uh, taking a look at the way people played the dozens. So trading verbal insults in a joking manner before an audience of associates, you know, jabbing to people about hygiene, all that sex, homosexuality, ugliness, intelligence, your mama, etc. <laughs> goes way, 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 way back in just like black vernacular culture generally but then uh, as we found our voice musically um with hip-hop in the 1980s 1990s like it sort of got retooled as um a way of resolving beef a way of showing your linguistic dexterity the way that you would do the same over a beat in a non like uh competitive manner but yeah so it has deep deep roots in just the way that uh, like I guess like black culture's love of language play and also just like kind of fucking with each other in yeah, a fun exactly. playful way yeah some of you out there you might have heard you know your experience with battling if you haven't like checked out some things on YouTube you know perhaps you know about the new renditions of battling which involves two people reciting I mean I guess you could say it's like almost poetry in a way like spoken word rhyming poems that are you know with the same sort of intent that battle rap has but it's over 
no music and you know one person takes a turn the other person takes a turn and it's pre-written and they memorize it before they go in and there's an art and a, a whole culture to that in itself um the battling that i'm used to is i guess at this point is a, a traditional i guess is considered but it's the freestyling off of the top of the head you know one person yeah. goes for 45 seconds or something the next person goes for the same and maybe you do two rounds of that crowd and some judges determines the winner what do you what do you think about the the new uh style of battling i guess not into it i mean like i feel like you know people people older generations are always hating on the new thing right so like oh hip-hop in general isn't as good as it used to be like you hear old heads say and so i'm not trying to be that person and being like well that's not real battle rap that's not what it's supposed to be da 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 but I came up, I, I personally just value the ingenuity of improvisation over you wrote some shit down ahead of time and like. Was looking at somebody's Facebook page for months. Yeah. Like, no, like I just, I just checking out think... who their girlfriend is, where they work, you know what I mean? And like. Yeah. I, I like, for me, I'm also, I like music, you know? And there's a the, the element of, like, the fact that battling is, like, a musical, was always a musical competition to me is what was appealing in it. Like, no disrespect, but I'm just not, like, I'm not the sort of cat who goes to, like, slam poetry events because it's just not my jam, you know what I mean? So the acapella battling kind of has that vibe to it. You know, it, it feels to me yeah. like you... You just kind of have to be dope with words, which is a whole skill and discipline in itself. But I don't think you necessarily have to be a good rapper to be good at doing that stuff. You know, and I talk about all this sort of things with uh, Sokan too, by the way. You, um, that, it's pretty long. You think we should get it started? Yeah, let's hop into it. All right, we're going to be back with uh, leftist activist and battle rapper extraordinaire Sokan right after the jump. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. All right, y'all. So we are about to chat with someone who I'm a huge fan of. He is a MC of the highest caliber and also an activist. It's my homie, Sol Khan. What's up, man? Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me yeah. on. I appreciate you taking the time to come talk with me, man. So how's, how's life been treating you in this, this crazy world the last year or two? I think it's okay. I think it's... Uh... I would say that I am encountering more, as in the last year I've encountered more hurdles than some and far fewer than others. Uh, both, a, a lot of it having to do with just the uh, emotional toll and the physical toll of living in a, in a much less connected, physically connected world, uh, especially because I live in New York City, and that is a, and and one of the reasons I love it is what's usually the life of the city and how many people are always here and moving and, and engaging with each other and, you know, at all sorts of hours and seeing that necessarily contract uh, in the name of, you know, uh, public health goals. It's been tough. Yeah. It's been tough. It's really tough for the first couple months of the pandemic. I did not leave a 10 block radius, basically, except for a couple times. Um, yeah, no, I feel you on that. I was, <laughs> I was the same exact way. Yeah. So, but I'm, you know, I'm, things are, there are nice developments in my personal and professional life. I've got new music on the way, too. And that's, so I'm, I'm you know, uh, and, and there's a, a very energized, though in reasonably embittered uh, left wing in America that's that's fighting for what they need to. So that's also good. Well, that's I want to like delve into a lot of that with yeah. you, like heavy. But I guess let's uh, let's get some of the the burning questions at the yeah. top of my brain out of the way first. So when how did you get into hip hop? I got into hip hop because um, of two things at once, basically. Um, one of which was MTV, which I was not supposed to watch when I was yeah. a, a young kid. Um, not that I think that it was a. I think if I were to not watch, if I was, if, if back then, uh, if there were reasons to not watch MTV, it wasn't for the reasons that you think. It might have been because, yeah. like, at the end of the day, it was like them just selling people stuff. That's that's yeah. commercial television, but 
Um, I think my, my family thought it might be like two adults or whatever, but like it was fine. Um, but it was MTV in tandem with my mom's selection of radio stations in the morning when she'd take me to school. Uh, she would always, you know, listen to either like oldies, news, or rap. That's it. Oh, word. So your mom's a hip hop fan? She is to a lesser extent than I am, but but <laughs> she's, you know, both as a result of what I got into and where I went with my music and who I worked with, you know, she she has sustained her, you know, uh, connection with, with the music as a listener. So that's how you got into it, but at what point or what prompted you to start wanting to make it? I started rapping when I was about 13 years old. Um, badly, very badly. And um, all of us did. Though. Yeah, but like, ex- there, you know, I was the, I, whatever a wonderkind is, I was the opposite of it. Like a, <laughs> a blunderkind or something. I was just, I was dreadful. And I didn't, I, I was always trying to sound like someone else. Um, and I really have a real sense of my actual voice and my distinct voice then i was also a teenager and it was this way for a long time yeah um and i you know had like ciphers in high school and middle school and or in high school though but like high school and and uh you know when i went to college you know and i periodically go to places like project blown because i was in la even though it was like a bajillion year ride from my corner of the valley to there um <laughs> or like go to like other events and stuff plays like the basement there you know so it's there I, I had a a somewhat if not a tenuous sort of like corporeal connection to a hip-hop community in LA it just was you know because of geography um, it was it was very limited um, and I didn't drive at all los angeles yeah um which is that'll make it hard to get around yeah i relied on the kindness (laughs) of friends and you know so if i wanted to go anywhere to see anything it would have to be either because you know my mom felt fine to drive me there she always was supportive of just you know time she was basically by in my teens she was a single mother and what you do uh she was a library clerk um and she I mean, honestly, given the the quality of the the fathering in my household, she was kind of a single parent the whole time, in a, in most regards. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, but like I, you know, and, and when I got to college, I, uh, you know, had a you know, we formed a, a rap group, me and a couple friends, and it, as I approached the end of college, one of my friends. Was you know, talking to me about what we were going to do, you know, what everyone's plans were. And one of the, the, one of the kids who was younger, just by a couple of years than me, um, you know, I, I told him like, oh, you know, I think I'm probably going to like work in like a congressperson's office or something, you know, like that, that was going to be the trajectory. And then we'll see what goes, where we go from there. And they said, well, that type of job will be around little bit at least there are routes to get into it it was very like insightful uh you know uh, take from a a 20 year old 
And uh, but they said, you know, rapping might not be. Um, and back then, you know, these were the early aughts. Yeah. The age uh, stigma was just wildly in effect still. You know, yeah, now like, no one talk- gives a shit. You mean the age stigma in terms of like, Being yo, I'm, I can't be a 30 year old exactly. rapper. Exactly. Like, and that's yeah. now we, no one gives a damn about that, which is, is beautiful. Um, and I think that actually there are, there are factors behind that. Um, it was really bad back then though. Cause horrific. like every, I mean, everybody was setting that deadline on themselves. Like yeah. cats that were, that are dope were like, yeah, man, I just got two more years in the game. And then it's mad funny when you think that like, some of the motherfuckers just dropped like an album like yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> and like and and there's, you know, two chains blew up finally at the age of thirty six. Mm-hmm. Like what? It, I mean, obviously a player circle, but like the the, the explosion. The explosion. It's yeah. Like thirty six years old. Killer Mike and LP. Killer Mike, yeah, they're 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 Ka. adults. Ka, yeah, who yeah. is uh, and also a shout out to Ka, dear man, who is obviously doing. Uh, has done great work uh, yeah. pro- in professionally uh, as a musician outside of music too. Um, but yeah, the longevity is that you know I think hip hop grew up. I think a lot because of the fans grew up mm-hmm. too, and they recognize. And also a lot of even the. I feel like at a certain point, um, all of the. Because the music industry fell apart, and all the, the the people who used to be just like chasing the next new big thing couldn't dictate the terms of everything that would blow up. Um, other voices and other people's tastes were able to, uh, you know, people who value uh, talent regardless of the age were able to say like, no, this this is still worth it. If you don't have to, you don't have to try to chase what the kids are into. We're not kids. Get over it. Like exactly, it's like there is a lane for that, but it's not this. Yeah, and it's probably best reserved for kids. Exactly. Yeah, and that's like like there there can be. I don't know. It's just like I don't know why anyone, if those people even still out there, but I don't know why anyone has that sort of view that like (sighs) hip hop has to be like this homogenous thing. It's like nah, like there should be adult oriented rap music and exactly you know young adult there should be like harry potter version young adult novel yeah. rap and you know like wild clubs you know there should be room for all of that i think exactly i think people sometimes almost like do a straw man uh-huh. of trying to say that oh uh why why are you guys or why are heads who are like you know more along the lines of like that that sort of quote unquote you know true school mm-hmm. old school you know vein of things it's not necessarily that the diversity in styles and stuff is an issue it's just merely like it's more of a media criticism yeah. in terms of like the balance and what gets exposure and what doesn't you know absolutely and you know it's funny i was thinking that well we talk more about it later but like this is i had to think a lot about that about who sets the parameters for who becomes famous and just thinking about how even because the other day like I tweeted like it was really you know no one's had as rapid or uh, widely celebrated of a of an ascendance as DMX did and it's crazy to think that even back then a very like major label driven thing like his his like prime 
era, um, it it felt almost like more authentic then than a lot of stuff does now because it was yeah. out in the open and they were like, yes, Def Jam Records wants you to listen to DMX versus now it's like uh, an independent team that uh, secretly was programmed by, you know, a PR agency yeah. um, and a brand partnership with, you know, a, a beverage company is is organically suggesting that you get into this cool new artist that totally isn't uh, a product of engineering that we did. Like that's, it's very, you know, that- and It's very, pla- there's, a, there's a plasticness about yeah. shit. I mean, you know, I had not to, go too wild all over the place but i find it is in like a lot of entertainment medium yeah mediums where it's just like there's this aura of like i don't it almost feels like it's the 80s like it feels like a, a like a parody of like somebody making fun of how the 80s were where it's yeah. like everything is just really like soulless and the yeah. the the there is no pretense that capital is the biggest motivating factor yeah, for absolutely. why everything exists absolutely know? and it and 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 then there's they still try to put on the veneer of relatability like you know yeah. brand, the, the classic example being brands tweeting like yes the brand yes. the tweets is the is the real soul of soullessness <laughs> you, you should if you watch like a making of on like a dvd that was made in like 2007 uh-huh and then you watch the making of for a movie that was made like two years ago. Just look at the difference in oh, how I will. what they're presenting okay. you is like the behind the scenes look. It's like it's like one of them is clearly like a reality show, fake shit. I'm, <laughs> you I'm, know okay. what I'm saying? Hell yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> it, okay. It's really weird. That's a good challenge. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna pick a good. Yeah, I gotta pick a real good one. And just yeah, no, now I'm hyped for that. Okay, so I'm um, sorry not to get too yeah. off topic. Oh, um, and, so and what was the name of your rap group? Oh, back then it was called yeah. BPM. What was that? What did that stand for? Uh, oh my god. Uh, it was Beat People's Movement. Like, okay, that's beats. not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean it's not the that's word. That's not bad. But sound. I mean, someone could also have mistaken it for us saying like being like in a, 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 a paramilitary or something or an attack yeah. squad. Um, you know, like the, but but we. Yeah, it was. It meant like beats. <laughs> it meant beats. You know. Uh, yeah. It was, and I think it was. It was sort of one of those reverse engineered things where we thought like it would be cool to call ourselves BPM. Okay, what does BPM stand for? Stand for. Got yeah, coming up with the yeah. meeting afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's that's fine. You yeah, know, I. I, I my, some of my first tattoos kind of have that sort of vibe going. Oh, on. good. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's it's. It's sort of like, and that's sort of like that. That also is true. This the spirit of, of songwriting in some cases, where you like the way uh, some words rhyme, and then you're like, "What do I have to say that will make these words make sense?" Yeah, that sound good. It happens all the time. I think we don't want to do it too often because it feels yeah. like you can tell. You can tell when somebody is doing that. Too oh yeah. Often oh yeah. It's usually like glaring it's, if they're not yeah. like a really good rapper. They cover <laughs> it up. Um, that's a, sometimes it's the worst just sitting with a, a, a couplet or like a rhyme scheme where you're like oh, I, I I could if I make this happen I've I've triumphed I've I've conquered rap and you sit there for 20 minutes and you're like oh 
let's think of something else. Let's <laughs> let's try something else. Otherwise, I'll hate my life, myself, and this art form that I'm trying to be I'm still contributing to. So. You know, the way that I heard of you yep. was through the battle scene. Yep. And this is like, I, I, I want to, if I'm going back to when, like, the first video mm-hmm. that I can recall seeing of you, I mean, it must have been, like... 2009 was when my first one came out, or maybe yeah. 2008. It was around 2009, 2008, 2010 2008, November, when I, I saw something. I, it's like, I think I saw, like, grind time stuff. Yeah. Now, see, there, it's like I have a... I have a a, a nuanced relationship with that style of battling because the scene that I came up in was the freestyle scene. Absolutely, and there's still like run. There was an overlap there. Yeah, at and in that, that at, at that time period, there was like I like I I had missed out on because my father worked for the State Department, so I grew up overseas and mm-hmm. shit. So by the time I had come, to, you know, here to go to college fucking you know scribble jam and stuff like yeah. that was going on and i wasn't like established enough to get into that scene I so was, when that started dying out is oh, when the grind time stuff started kind of rising absolutely and did you do both like uh, the i actually did because there was no new york i think i either missed or there wasn't a new york city scribble jam qualifier mm. in 2007 and so i went to traverse city michigan by myself yeah uh which is a weird thing to do and i did the scribble prelims there and i was in the semi-final i was in the finals of the scribble prelims for michigan uh <laughs> which is hilarious for traverse city i don't know if there was a detroit one which is wild to think about oh uh, sure. I'm, I'm i'm messing up because so we don't be too insider yeah uh so scribble jam yes. was a uh huge hip-hop festival yes. in the what do you want to say late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. um, yeah and it started it was, in i think 96 i think maybe okay 95. so yeah and i mean it's it has a huge legacy for example the, the most famous one is eminem yes uh came in second place at scribble jam and i guess he handed off his demo or at least the legend goes or so, something like that but scribble it's it's a really it was it was the a rap really, olympics is where he he did i think really really blow up yeah. Um, and Ju- and Scribble Jam though was a big big moment with him versus Juice, uh, and that so was. Did you did you free did you do freestyle battling? Yes, so you, I obviously, did. if you were in, I did okay, freestyle so, battling. Okay. Someone... I was freestyling on grind time for the first couple battles with maybe some like premeditated stuff. I didn't write anything down because yeah. I thought, oh, that's cheating, and everyone's still freestyling except for maybe the people who did raps that were like more general and weren't personal. Um, and when I found out that everyone was riding uh, after my first battle that I lost yeah. in grind time, I was like, oh, whoops, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to lose another one. We're, we're done with that. We're, we're okay, going to so win everything. It, describe to the listeners, right? There's there's two different battle, I guess. Is, is would, it, would the word be scenes or styles? It's both because they... There's regional. There's definitely a, a, a regional difference and in, in regional emphasis on spontaneous freestyling in the West Coast more so. Um, not to say it wasn't present at all, and also in like the Midwest. Um, whereas in New York, it would be more about like honestly having zero personally relevant 
material, but like relying largely on stuff that's like because there were the the DVD battle scene was really big in New York and over the uh, East Coast. But then. but describe the difference. The difference like is to... the difference is like between freestyling on beat, so spontaneous raps about and against your opponent over a beat that you both get to rap over, taking turns. Um, usually like 30 seconds to a minute uh, per round. Um, and the other style at the time, uh, which has prevailed in a lot of ways, like these basically people rapping a cappella for several minutes at a time, basically doing verses. Like they could be like, a, a, like they were, it was a rap battle, but like you could, if you, for the most, for a lot of cases, you could have used their verses against on one person, interchange on a song or against anybody else they'd face, um, and it's just sort of a rap contest, like how well someone could rap versus how well you, versus the freestyle one, which was a lot more about like how well can you diss your opponent directly it, and in a relevant way to them. So I've I've always had this. Uh, analogy that I've made with it that I'm sure somebody who is as accomplished as you are in the written battle scene is <laughs> but I want to I want to share it with you anyway just to see what yeah, you think of it right yeah. so I always kind of looked at it as freestyle battling and the pre-written battling it's like the difference between UFC and WWE Yes, very when, much so. When you watch a UFC match, you honestly can see anything. It might be the greatest fight you've ever seen, yeah. or somebody might get knocked out in the first five seconds, yeah. or like anything could happen. Like somebody might be nervous and, and mess up and get knocked out. And, and whereas with like a WWE match, it's like it's all it's all choreographed so that you the watcher are entertained no like everyone's gonna get to do their moves you're yes. gonna you know you're gonna get to see everybody like perform and show out and then you know the, like the winner is determined later absolutely and i think people like yeah i think wrestling fans care less about like wwe fans care less about outcomes than performance mm -hmm. they care exactly. less about like who won the match versus who who did the coolest shit? Coolest stuff, yeah. It's like yeah. that's it. That's what matters. And I, I, I feel like that. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Obviously, like there, are, there are technically winners and losers. Sometimes they'll judge battles uh, in written battles. They used to judge them more. Um, but you know, I, I got over the whole non-judged battle hang-up that I used to have once I did a non-judge battle. Yeah. So like, oh, no one cares. So did you, did you like stop? I mean, I know you, you like, I guess you didn't do battles for a long time and then you came years, back and did about, a battle. I did a battle not to, was it like a year or two ago? Yeah. Not, it wasn't a very auspicious return because I think I just, I was doing too much other stuff. And like, I was coming off of a divorce, a difficult work, year and like transitioning to different medications like it was a it was a rough time and, and like i was like in a not super healthy relationship um so i ate shit as far as i'm concerned in that return battle against disaster and i i have always owned that there were some 
glimmers and flickers, I think that would be better, but like I flew directly from like a work event to go to Oakland. I was like nauseous the whole time. Cause I had to, I was like transitioning back from Trintelix to Wellbutrin. Uh, and <laughs> I just was not ready, you know, I, I was just misallocating my time, both in terms of the prep that I was doing and just the time between deciding how much time I was spent preparing versus not preparing, you know, and, and I bit off more than I ch- could chew. I thought that I was writing something that would fill up. I think if I wrapped it at normal speed, my, my return battle verses would have filled like maybe 20 minutes instead of like 45. Yeah. Um, but I was like sort of mentally stuck trying to remember all my stuff. Basically doing like, like, something that was just like a speech at a certain point and i yeah. i hated it as it was happening um and it killed me to to like be in the moment and feel that like i it was fun like diz did really well except for the material that was unnecessarily problematic uh because he could have won without it easily yeah. um so i mean do you think you're gonna take another shot there are a couple impediments to that. Uh, one of which is that I, it's just so much time yeah, and attention and energy. Um, like, I don't, I don't even know exactly what the full story is behind why you left actually. I so just, why, I just why wanted did to do music that? only. That was it. Okay. I was, I was so like, that, I, it was there was a stigma then and there isn't now. I don't think really like you can, if a new battle rapper can drop music and granted it'll be tougher to get it out there without having some of the uh, music only platforms uh, pushing you. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're not on any blogs or playlists or whatever, like it will be tough. You can't just do it via battle rap unless just the algorithm blesses you. Yeah. Um, or if you have like a publicist working or something. But then in 2010, the less I battled and the more I distanced myself from it, the more music opportunities came my way. Like a switch flipped. And it was not fair. Like that doesn't, I think folks got, took that personally, battle fans and battlers and thought, oh, I thought it was too good for it. It's like, nah, I just, I had a different priority. I went for that. And it wasn't anyone's fault that that's how the market and the climate was then. Um, and it's a lot more rewarding to do both like monetarily and, and in terms of energy that you put into it, it's a lot more rewarding to make a song that you can perform over and over and over again, or have people play over and over and over again in a variety of settings, um, than it is to do a battle that's so much more writing that has one use. Yeah. Which is just the battle. Yeah. And I don't. I, I could, you know, but so it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy to put into it. And I would, I could do it. I think I could do it. I could make up for my performance the first time around. The other issue is that, like, I think a lot of battle rap rappers and fans, I think, are mad at me uh, because of, like, a Twitter controversy, like, a year ago. Um, in do you that, care to elaborate? I'll elaborate. Yeah, yeah, no, because I think it's important to explore because there's a lot of misconceptions about it and, like, opportunistic people who just don't like me for standing for anything and actually living up to it. Um, 
who like snaps jumped upon us like a lot of rap vloggers and stuff like yeah. battle rap vloggers and stuff is this something um, that would that, that would be better prefaced by us talking about some of your activism work? No, I think it's fine. I mean, like, just so people know, like, I just, okay. I've always been a leftist, but I haven't always embodied those principles when it came to my art, both yeah. battling and music. I'd have content that was, you know, misogynistic, homophobic, like, racially insensitive, uh, you know, basically all stuff that, like, on a level that, like, stand-up comedy thought was okay. Yeah. Uh, as of then. Yeah. And I was, like, buying into that because I thought it's just a joke or it's just a, a line. And, you know, I, I grapple with that and I've spent a decade reckoning with that and still reckon with it publicly and privately and with anyone I meet who discovers that I have rapped in any of these settings. And I could be doing that for the rest of my life. And that's the onus that one has when they do something that has consequences like that, um, regardless of my intentions. And, you know, that being said, so there was back when, and then, you know, I'll, I'll say this, I was, I recognized where I aired on this, Totally, but there are places where I did not, where I was miscast by a lot of opportunistic folks. Um, so, like right after uh, Kobe Bryant passed away uh, in that you know tragic helicopter accident, and he and his daughter, and I saw. So there are a lot of there are a lot of there are a lot of folks dear to me who were uh, survivors of sexual assault, and at the time there was. There were folks who wanted to even talk about that dimension of Kobe Bryant's life, um, not necessarily, not not to like perpetually condemn him, but to like be mindful of how it might impact other people who are survivors of sexual assault, and not to like relitigate it even, but just to like not erase it. Yeah. And especially given the fact that he himself made efforts to reckon with this, and and, and which is rare, which yeah. is very rare for someone of his prominence. Um, and I said I initially tweeted something to the effect of like, you know, people are saying it's 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 offensive to mention sexual assault. So how offensive is sexual assault itself? You know, like people were getting more offended about the mention of the thing yeah. than the thing itself being overlooked or being and, and like so like a couple places where I fucked up is like timing wise. Uh, you know, I did it like the day after it happened, and I think I was just very reactive and raw and feeling sad seeing my friends of different genders, racial backgrounds, who had experienced sexual assault, um, feeling like diminished. Um, and there are ways to not diminish them or that issue while still recognizing the many, uh, you know, accomplishments and virtues and, and, and of Kobe Bryant mourning him. Mm. And I sort of just like got 
people's responses to me aside from just like being upset at the timing were also people trying to say like oh this stuff never happened you're like trying to you know they're like comparing what i was saying to like emmett till and i was like yo i don't i first like and people like oh you're trying to be like you, you know he he was you know, found not guilty in court. I was like, the court system doesn't do anything. I was like, I don't believe in the court system. Like, I think people got it twisted. They thought, like, I thought we're saying the dude should have gone to jail. Yeah. And I don't believe in jail. I don't believe in police. I don't believe in prisons. I don't think most, hell, a lot of survivors of sexual assault don't believe in that stuff or don't think that they'll find healing in that stuff, largely because they don't even when it's actually addressed by the, the by these systems um so like i was just i was talking about sort of like I, my whole comment initially was just about like public record and discourse and, and and sort of talking about an issue and it got buried in like issues of like insensitivity about the timing of the tweet and then like my defensiveness against people uh and and you know i think you know, there were a lot of battle rap folks who were like, like fans, battle rap fans, who probably never listened to my music or anything, and yeah. probably never read anything. They probably, you know, probably only started paying attention to me again because of my coming back to battling. Uh, were like just not in good faith dealing with what I said or my attempt to address it after. just trying to make it the worst possible interpretation exactly. yeah. so there's a youtube video of someone saying like soulcon said like some battle rap blogger and a rap they, they like blog about other stuff too but like this is like soulcon says that mourning kobe is disrespectful to sexual assault victims like i literally never said that. <laughs> but that was like the tent like i literally there's a tweet that says i didn't say that you shouldn't mourn this man <laughs> i did not say like there's nowhere i should that said that whatsoever um Hell, there were like even some like sort of legitimate journalists who I know who were like trying to like milk this for like clicks and, and likes. Oh, and it's, it's embarrassing. And, and you know, it's, and the funny thing at the end of the day is people like to pick and choose what they're offended by or what they find to be outrageous. Um, you know, because I, I never, you know, and then finally, ironically, I had a line in a battle about, like, when I dissed Do Fox, and I basically said that he would, like, I, that he, people say he looked like Kobe, but he was actually the one who was getting, I'll paraphrase, assaulted in this. Just terrible, you know, it was terrible then. But these yeah. people were going nuts for that. <laughs> these same folks probably were you know, losing their mind. My biggest battle, three million views. Never yeah. as anyone at that time. And that was years. That was a, a several years after the the you know the, felt, that case yeah. and what what it was that was that okay where are the where were the comments then i'm not saying even that that like you can't change your mind about things that i'm or change your mind about, about how you react to things or you know i'm living proof of that and everyone should evolve and everyone should should think about these things in, a, in an active evolving way but no one cared then um no one cared when like diz in the movie bodied even uh, you know, which is supposed to be like the battle rap movie post Eight Mile. Uh, had I still a, haven't seen that yet. It's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, J- Joseph Kahn, the guy who made it, is a real is a is a knobhead. He sucks. But like, based on <laughs> his really shitty uh, 
all lives matter-ish attitude about everything that's been uh, swollen recently. Yeah. Um, but Diz has a lot, and I'm not, this is not me being like to knock Diz, but just rather like no one, there was no outcry when this movie came out only a few years ago where he brought this up earnestly, not like with a wink, like, oh, he didn't do it. Like the, he said a line that is premised on the assumption that, that you think that this man he's referring to did commit sexual assault. You know, like, so people pick and choose. I mean, like, Roan had a line about Eric, like calling Big T, like Eric Garner, like mere Jesus. years. Like, like and, and that's, again, he can move past that. I bet he regrets it. I'm almost sure of it. it but people really just, I think people wanted a reason to get me out of here or whatever they want to do with Battle Rap. You know, Childish Gambino had a Trayvon line. Oh, Trump, yeah, it is, it's, and and I think he said I would die for my hood, Trayvon. Yeah, like that's and that's uh, and and I'm sure there in his <laughs> mind then he was like, oh yeah, this is really powerful. Yeah, there's this- no there's no problem here. Um, but yeah, so like that happened, and I think it, I probably, I, you know, there was talk about me. I, I feel like that might be one reason I might not get booked again by a lot of folks what? and that's yeah. fine. But, but here's the thing if they're not going to book me based on that I, that's fine my spotify numbers didn't go down at all my youtube subscribers didn't go down my my type you know the, the music fans stayed as yeah. they always have even though i'm a turtle about releasing things so that whole controversy i like dipped off twitter for a couple months just like let people be like i just i i got off you know of Twitter for a little bit after that and Instagram just because I thought let people not have to see my face and get re re-aggravated yeah it wasn't about me like because I mean hell I did get some death threats which sucked but like I, you know I'm always legally armed so like I don't really sweat it too much uh, and I'll leave it mysterious as to what that means exactly but <laughs> there's a I think I think that like it just wasn't it wasn't it felt like no one would get a chance to get over it and I don't mean that in like a oh just get over me but like to really genuinely like not have to people were upset about his death I don't need to they don't need frustration with me compounded with it um, so I was like all right I'm I'll be out for a little bit um, so you you mentioned earlier um, that not at all t- you know you've always been a leftist but you that hasn't always been reflected in your art or how you so how do you find like reconciling your leftist principles with not only the art that you make but just the genre that you're involved in i mean just earlier you know this is definitely a leftist podcast Mm -hmm. but you know just earlier me and you were kind of reminiscing dmx yeah yeah, you know what i'm saying who if you go through dmx catalog you're gonna find a lot of a lot bars of, of here of and there that aren't, you know, especially in 2021. Oh, yeah. Are gonna, gonna be looked at as quote unquote problematic. So, like, how do you reconcile that person? I think it's, it's for my, for, just for my part, like my contributions, um, I just, for the stuff I've already done that I don't approve of, I just, for the most part, I just sort of like have a general overall 
disclaimer for it that you know I regret a lot of it and if someone wants to talk about it and air what they're feeling about it I will always be receptive to that that's my responsibility um, anyone who is uh, hurt by directly or indirectly anything I've ever wrapped it is it is it is there for the criticizing as I think any art is but like as the artist I I encourage people not that they usually take me up on this but like because <laughs> I think you can tell like I, I'm earnest about it but if someone feel if someone feels like there's something I haven't addressed in my back catalog whether songs or battles that is is screwed up then I'm, I'm fine addressing that um, and not in a like oh I'm sorry you were offended way but in a in a way that hopefully affirms their experiences and, and their feelings and shows that I sincerely learn from it and that it's 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 hopefully I wouldn't repeat such indignities and and there might be stuff that I've I dropped on my last project, you know, this past year that I'll regret in a little bit too. <laughs> I don't think so. Like I even like changed. There's some stuff I changed yeah. going in. Like I had one line about like, um, I said like, uh, like would you stand up or just stare at your feet, embarrassed, uh, uh, something like embarrassed, too scared to compete, and it like. I, before the lines, this is like a like when I first read this old not old verse, but it's a, a repurposed older verse from like a little while ago, not like a decade ago. But it said like stare at your feet or like remain in your seat like a paraplegic, and it's sort of like the rhyme scheme sounded dope, but like it basically was inadvertently kind of it was ableist, yeah. you know. Like like likening paraplegism and 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 a disability to a like a lack of courage, basically in the context of that line. Yeah. Like this stuff, like likening standing up as they they you know, which I mean, remain in your seat. Still, maybe like that's a stretch with the depot, but the fact that I outright had it like the word paraplegic in there it was like yeah. Nah, I don't need it. And so, like, like when I had the chance to like redo this song for this project, I was like, "That's gonna change." It's, it's interesting, you know. Um, I was I was talking to Immortal Technique a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and he was saying he was on the show, and he was saying that um, on his next album, The Middle Passage, whenever that comes out, he said he doesn't use the N word at all. Like he's like that's taken. He's like that's out of his vocabulary, even in, okay. in regular life too. So that was you know people people change. Yeah. all the time yeah it's, it's fair to admit it's fair to i think it's just if people are honest about it that's what matters if you're honest and open to 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 have a like a good faith talk about it and and grow from it that's that's what matters if i don't think the point is to like perpetually self-flagellate and perpetually get like i, I think that pe- we also need to have a society where people can not just to be rewarded for their growth, but where they aren't perpetually, you know, uh, 
condemned for it. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately the internet doesn't help with that. I'm not, this isn't about like cancel culture. It's rather about like the unproductivity of accountability culture sometimes yeah. because of the fact that like cyclically someone will like discover a, 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 a bad media moment for the first time on, from someone who's famous, even though it's already been litigated before years ago, yeah. over and over again. And we, there has to be some mores or, or sort of norms around that. It's not can't be formalized because that sort of thing isn't something you can really formalize. But I just need to sort of promote the idea that if X person who did Y bad thing makes earnest amends, that we don't forget about everything. What's the point of, of amends if it's for getting you, know, you don't learn something from that? But people can feel like they have the room to go on, and we don't. And, and the problem is, it's funny that the people who complain most about like cancel culture, like usually conservatives who help build such and sustain a very punitive society. Of course, you know, like... the, the ones who are always like, if they didn't create this punitive society, then they wouldn't have punitive, judgmental norms around everything. And yeah. then make them afraid. So like the whole like idea, like it, the irony of like, if Brett Kavanaugh hadn't been part of the world that Brett Kavanaugh built, he might have, there might have been a restorative justice space for everything that he did. You know, but there mm-hmm. isn't because of men like him. <laughs> Which is why, you know, and that I think that, that, that the same goes for like the anti-PC culture folks. Yeah, no, the, the, yeah, all the anti-SJW types. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they, if they, they, in other aspects of life, are very punitive, are very, you know, love to shut down stuff that they don't like. So they're helping. I mean, that's like them. the whole chief organizing principle of their shit is to yeah. shut down stuff that they don't like. It's, you know I, mean, I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's a fascism shuffle. It's, just, it, it, it's, it's strictly just like, what, what is it that they like? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, they don't, they don't even, they literally don't even view it that way. It's like, they have a blind spot in their mind that they can't even put that into a context. How, how they're like actually the biggest cancelers exactly. <laughs> of anybody and, in the country. And they, and it, 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 it the, the, ultimate well the ultimate conclusion is like just like violent fascism but like one of the places they go is like you end up with someone like steven crowder who's like wandering around a different planet fitnesses or crunch fitness or wherever uh pretending to be a trans person uh and just being obnoxious just for any gender uh and and being like oh look they're just you know like like these insane stunts and because they don't actually have any positive vision of what life could be and how it could be better. Steven Crowder reminds me like there was this about when I was a kid there was this comic book it was like a Superman story where like Superman landed in communist Russia and Red Sun. instead he, yeah Red Sun and he yeah. grew up to be like communist. Steven Crowder is like if Jim Carrey's shuttle that brought him to earth uh-huh. like landed in rush limbaugh's yard and he yeah, was, oh, hell yeah. You know what absolutely yeah no that's a great yeah it's 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 weird because you have these folks who just because they either didn't get or they rejected a, an intellectual and cultural framework of like rational like modern thought thought yeah they 
they're stuck with this shit. They're trying to fit, you know, a, a, a critique of, of modern shit into a very old-fashioned, narrow-minded, and uncreative peg. They can hold, and they can't do it. They can't square it because it, it's not built for that. No. I mean, like, you have people like... you. Have, they're, like, anti-postmodernism, even. Like, you have people, like... Which doesn't... You can't... You can't compete critically, then, if you think things like that. You're not, nothing, it's not you're capable. There's nothing like hearing somebody who's obviously stupid talk say stuff like postmodernism yeah you know, you know what yeah. I'm saying? like like seeing some like neckbeard anti-sjw youtuber like oh, oh, this it's cultural marxism, cultural marxism postmodern marxism. like yo shut the fuck up yeah dude. Like, and if, if people haven't watched i think the best um sort of video exploration of this issue uh, is uh, Natalie Wynn's, uh, aka ContraPoints, a video about Jordan Peterson. Recommend. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the bet. It's it really delves into how it's a whole movement that is predicated on having basically not done the reading. <laughs> you really have to like, and and heck, that happened when when Slavo Zizek and Jordan Peterson debated. You could tell. That, you know, he, well, yeah, he was like out was of his depth. Bloodbath. It was terrible. It's like you, you know, these these right wingers, especially like these YouTube crowd and the, like the the internet era folks, they tend to be very uninformed and or just or have, have wholly misinterpreted, real, like like the whole canon that they think that they know. They don't <laughs> understand shit, and it's it's but you know. To be fair, a lot of them wouldn't think the way they do if they did understand it. Yeah. That's the problem. And, and whereas there are other folks who do understand this stuff and they don't care. And they don't try to have the veneer of like, no, my vision of society is better for everybody. It's, I don't care if my vision of society is better for everybody. That's not the point of society to me or this yeah. point of life. That that type of conservative or, or, or right that's I think that's starting to be the, it's the dominant form like that's they're coming back that's be- they're, they're yeah. coming yeah because that they was def- the thing and I think that that even Trump folks try to like they want to feel good about themselves as people I think everyone wants to but like they like want to talk about how Trump like helped black people for instance like this is the lowest black unemployment ever I think there's a conservative strain that's like, who gives a shit? They don't care about that either. And they, they are going to be more openly genocidal in their rhetoric. rhetoric. Yeah, um, and, and also right now, I think like their their game is pretty much about like securing the bag first. Like I think they're trying yeah. they're trying to be they're trying to be more inclusive as long as yeah. everybody's under the umbrella of fascism. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So well, it's like, yo, yeah. what are you doing? Are you you Candace Holmes, you black, but you fascist? Alright, you're cool. What, exactly. what are you doing? Milo, you're gay, but are you fascist? Alright, yeah. come on, you're with us. You know what I'm saying? I think it's they're they're at that 100%. stage now and then if they were to get their way, then they would worry about the particulars afterwards. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Then yeah, exactly. And that that's that is the that's been the game, and I think people need to look at. That's when, when, you know, I caution friends of mine who would be like, "Oh, you know, like when gay marriage became legal, they'd be like, oh, this is amazing. If things are gone the way, our 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 toward a brighter future.' I'm like, there are 
like active like LGBT fascists in Europe. Yeah. Were prominent. And that's and then fast forward, we got Milo, fast forward, you know, like it's not a it, it's, we need to chill on the whole like premature congratulations on a brighter tomorrow because we're not there yet. And it adapts. Right. Like if capital can co-opt anybody, fascism could co-opt anybody. Like anyone could be co-opted. No one's immune to that. So can you uh, talk to us a little bit about, well, not even a little bit, but like, can yeah. you talk to me, talk to us about some of your activism that you do? Sure. Um, I, like what's I, your, what's your, what, what's your flavor of activism? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple things. Um, my, my nine to five is like supporting, uh, advocacy for immigrant rights, uh, in New York state and city and also a little bit of the federal stuff. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a happy cog in the operation. Um, but you know, I also like know my lane. I like as I as a white man would feel very weird taking like a front row role or whatever, like a lead, you know. So happy to be a operations logistics type of dude. That's yeah. that's very happy to. But then you know, and, and contribute my thoughts as needed. Um, so what brought and, what brought you into that? Like what was I was in a, another job that was not cool. It was like just a desk thing that was not me. Um, and I got laid off and one of and, and someone who I met in my activism with the Democratic Socialists of America, uh, recommended me for this job and uh you know at dsa is well, I, I i work with them a lot yeah. i was a member of the south brooklyn organizing committee of, of dsa for a couple years um i you know have been uh you know part of its uh electoral field operations before like i've trained hundreds of canvassers before for different candidates we've endorsed and I've, I've done, you know, like martial and public safety, you know, uh, work with their, with the DSA, uh, marshalling, like, organization or, you know, I don't know what you call it. Uh, and so I do stuff like, you know, get, I'm involved in like street protests for like uh, anti-police, anti-racist stuff too. That's, that's another, another thing I do. Um, and trying to think through how to do that in a productive, safe way. So, um, safe for the, the protesters. I yeah, don't yeah. give a shit about safe for the cops or property. They can, that, whatever. So um, I, I imagine you've been really busy with that stuff this last year. Yeah, and initially I had to like, when it first really, really blew up in, in the early summer, because of COVID and because like I just didn't know what was up and what... I had I like my mom was very very vulnerable uh, due to her health and like I just like as I was still in that like ten block bubble um, very limited sort of life uh, I kind of waited a little bit like several weeks after that first initial like bunch of protests to be like are people getting COVID from this it's <laughs> like. It'd be one thing for me to risk myself. I can't, I, you know, but like then I was like, 
helping my mom with stuff or, you know, like this is when we didn't even know whether like surface transmission was an issue yet for COVID. And I, you know, I, you know, got in and started going to actions and marches and it, it coincided with, uh, pushes for the New York City Council to defund the police, which they did not. And they basically did a whole like shell game that made it look like they took money away from the cops and they ultimately didn't. Um, and that's still ongoing, it's still an ongoing fight. And uh, that budget is coming back up for consideration. So I'll be in the streets for that. Um, yeah, been active, yeah, very active as a result. That's what's up, man. Well, yo, it, it's been super fucking dope talking to you. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, man. Where can people find you at? Uh, your music and just oh, your work? Uh, so if they just go on, if they Google me, eh, you know what? Actually, screw that. Go to the platforms themselves. I think that's <laughs> the best way. Spell my name S-O-U-L-K-H-A-N. And whether that's in searching on Spotify, on Tidal, Apple Music, or on Twitter, Instagram, I'm usually the only, I'm usually SoulCon on everything. You're the, yeah. At Facebook, like, I I'm not on Facebook as much lately on my fan page, you know, like, and there's, I, I just dropped a project. I, I shouldn't say just, it's almost a year ago. But in July, um, dropped a, an EP called Grow Up. It's really good. I think people should listen to it. <laughs> I, I, it's on a soul spasm. I think it, unfortunately, their timing was, kind of set and I didn't know how to change that and it yeah. got overshadowed by everything happening and that's okay. It would be weird to complain about that. Um, but if, it, if, if they see like if people are like, Oh, I like soul Con, but I didn't realize you released anything. There's probably a reason because the other more important stuff was going on yeah. and still goes on. Um, if you know, I'll, I'm hopefully going to release another thing by the summer. Um, another EP and we'll see from there and hopefully people like that and I'll be doing more videos of me rapping uh, just in my home probably yeah and it should be cool and I I hope people enjoy the music if, if they ever see me promoting something that they can get involved in politically I encourage them to and if people have questions about how to get more involved in many types of activism uh, I'm happy to get, point them in the right direction if I'm not the right person to get them involved. And yeah, it's, you know, my, my, but my main priority right now is doing whatever I can while being a healthy person to further a better world. That's what's up, man. That's it. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. 
on demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Yes, sir. That was battle rapper extraordinaire Soul Khan. I was really looking forward to that interview. I'm really glad I got a chance to finally do that. He is yeah. actually, it's, it's funny. I'd been watching his uh, clips on YouTube for the longest time. And then I was just by chance doing a show in Brooklyn and he was in the crowd and I saw him and he was just there like super incognito and shit. I was like, yo, motherfucker, I know who you is. You know? Yeah, <laughs> trying to act like you just a normal, just, oh, I'm, I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. Yeah, okay. But um, yeah, y'all make sure y'all uh, check out some of his stuff. Um, not only, you know, the things that he's into uh, politically, but y'all also uh, check out some of his music and some of his battles online. Uh, but let's get into this music discussion. We're going to be taking it back talking about some classic classic battle tracks just over the years the art of battling on wax is a completely different animal you know in itself you you got the battling on stage but then you have another art form in itself which is when two people have a problem with each other and they write raps about it and record whole songs that live on forever and ever <laughs> yeah so up first, uh, we're going to be going back to probably what is considered, you know, the most, not the first battle, but like the most impactful battle. Actually, I think uh, this is my many considered the first rap battle. Like really? Yeah. Like the like the first rap? Like nobody, nobody somewhere did this before this happened? This was like the first, like at a show, like in the in this in the in the spirit of like Eight Mile, like at a venue. Okay, two, fa- okay. two famous rappers like had a battle against okay, each okay. other. Yeah, and this right. was at the Har- Harlem World Christmas Celebration in December of 1981. Cool so, Modi went up against Busy B, in I guess you know, at least the most celebrated, but by many considered like the the quintessential first rap battle. Um, it used to be that, like, mainly, like, party rockers would win battles. 
And, you know, as long as you get the crowd hype, the person who gets the crowd the hypest is the one who wins. But this is like, the, the, this is that instance where, you know, Kumo D got on stage and really just outwrapped Busy B and showed that, like, lyricism was like a whole new gear of taking taking this battle rap stuff into. So let's check it out a little right, bit. Right, because I think I think like at in at the inception of hip hop, the MC was sort of like a hype man for the DJ. And that yeah. like it was about just adding an extra layer of cadence and like getting the crowd hyped up, etc. This was like, nah, actually you can take you can take MC into a whole different level where like yeah, you'll see, you'll see. Yeah, let's let's, like- let's let's do a bit yeah, let's let's do a bit of it. Everybody knows celebrity clubs are those the kind you can win. It all set up before we come in. But in a battle like this, you know you lose. Between me and you, who do you think they'll choose? Well, if you think it's you, I got bad news. Because to hear your name, you're going to hear some booze. Because you're faking the funk. Because you're faking the funk. And at the end of this uh, round, uh, you can call uh, me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like nuts that Busy B was like up there hyping the crowd and then called out Cool Modi was in the venue and Kumodi was like, nah, fuck that. And just like went on stage and just freestyled at Busy B, like, hell nah. And it was and all hits. Some- all yeah. hits. All hits. Yeah. Like like everything that Kumodi was, he wasn't wasting any motion. It was just all disses. Every line was a diss. <laughs> but he, he eviscerated him and that uh, in turn, you know, grew the legend of Kumodi who went on to have various other classic battles you know down the lines including one famous one with L.O. Cool J yeah let's hop on to the next one we got uh, between Boogie Down Productions which is KRS-One and Scott LaRock versus the Juice Crew um, there's like a misunderstanding that the Juice Crew said that hip hop had started in Queens when BPD came out so they came out with South Bronx um this, this, you know, a song about where you know the the true quote unquote true birthplace of hip hop, and then Juice Crew responded with "Kill That Noise," and then PPD came back with "The Bridge Is Over," which was which a scathing, was, yes, scathing response. <laughs> Let's check that out. Manhattan keeps on making it, Brooklyn keeps on taking it, Bronx keeps creating it, and Queens keeps on faking it. So I feel like this was kind of the beginning of a trend that we see nowadays where rappers who have beef will trade tracks and kind of go back and forth. Like as we've moved from like an analog age into a more digital one where you might not be in the same venue on the same night and calling each other out, but you might have SoundClouds and you might have Twitter and you might yeah. be talking shit at each other uh, on these virtual platforms. Like you, you go back and forth with like SoundCloud tracks about like you know fuck you. I heard you got a secret child. Like also, <laughs> so et now this, this adds like a new personal layer onto it too because it's like what was once just like a competition that happens in the moment and then it's over. Now you're adding in the layer that it's like hey these disses are going to exist forever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now that it's like. 30 years later and these guys have probably you know a lot of them involved have probably like squashed beef or moved on or in different phases of their lives but you have like this insult that you said about this other person that lives on forever <laughs> it's always going to be there and not only that but it's to it's to slam in music that people people are going to listen to forever forever so I, i've 
I've only had one diss track made about me once, but it got the guys who did it took it down after I made my response shit. And oh, it was like it was like him. it was my first, you know, I was looking forward to like going back and forth. I was like, oh man, how how y'all gonna stop after just the first one? I was just getting started, but that brings gonna, yeah. us <laughs> that brings us to the uh, last track that we got. Which, I mean, in my opinion, you know, I've in in preparation for this and just for other things, I must have listened to like sixty or seventy different battle tracks, obscure stuff that none of y'all even heard of because you didn't even know such and such were beefing and stuff like that. But I have to say, after listening to all those battle tracks, I think. That this next joint is probably the best recorded battle track in hip hop's history, in my opinion. This is Cannabis with Second Round Knockout. Let's check this out. Fighting like a drug free role model, you disgust me. I know bitches to see you smoke weed recently. You walk around showing off your body because it sells. Plus, to avoid the fact that you ain't got scales. Mad at me because I kick that shit real, nigga. Spell 199% of your fans with high hills from Ice T to Kumo D to Jay Z. Yeah, and so here we see a little bit of that like discursive hierarchy being created. Like when he's talking about like, um, like most of your fan, most of your fans were high heels. heels. Like yeah. oh, applying that like oh, you're more feminine because your fan base is feminine, well, etc. So a, reinforcing, you know. Let me give a little backstory to this beef. So this is uh, this was the cannabis uh, response in a battle between him and legendary rapper LL Cool J. And I can't believe that I'm old enough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's it's crazy. So. They did a music video shoot and uh, Cannabis looked up to LL Cool J like, you know, like a god and shit. And uh, this is 1998. Cannabis was a new rapper and he was doing this song with uh, Method Man, Red Man, DMX and LL Cool J. Right. So for Cannabis, this is like, oh, snap, I'm on the song with these guys. This is crazy. And um, LL Cool J has a famous microphone tattoo on his arm. So I guess something happened. Cannabis, like, made a comment about, like, oh, I want, like, a microphone tattoo just like that. So they filmed the video. And then L rewrote his verse and mentioned that conversation. Like, you can't grab this mic on my arm. So, you know, it was kind of like a diss. And everybody knew it was a diss to Cannabis because Cannabis had then, you know, went and got a microphone tattooed on his arm. And then that song came out. So Cannabis made this as, like, the response. And it started, like, a whole thing between them, which you could make a whole documentary and a podcast about the battle between those two dudes in particular. But, oh, man, where, where can I start? I mean, it definitely has uh, cringe moments. You know, it's 1998, and obviously the the sensibilities of it are, are definitely out of step today but from just like a technical aspect of a battle rap song it's again what kumo d did in his freestyle back in the 80s i think what cannabis does with this is like he creates something where every line is about l o cool j you know, and for me, what made it refreshing at the time is that it was something that was solely based in rap and in music. This is coming off of the heels of Tupac and Biggie both getting killed because of some street shit that, you know what I mean, that the, the media kind of manipulated into being being involved with music when it really wasn't. So for me, you know, it was like being young 
when the song came out and seeing that, it was like, nah, this was a, a beef between two rappers about how well they rap over some rap shit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, 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 you know, and like, like everything that they said about each other was based in that that field of like, yo, I'm a better rapper than you. Even, like even even the line that that um, the the line of uh, like 99% of your fans wear high heels is more in reference, you know, just at the time is more in reference to like, yo, you're not even rapping for people who like listening to rap because that was the stereotype back then is that girls want to see yeah. LL Cool J with a shirt off and yada, 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 yada. So, <laughs> but I mean, no, that's a, it's, it's a classic. Just, just even thinking about that makes me smile. It's like, I wish that when rappers in the 2000s have beef with each other and they're making songs that it's like a battle of wits and people like, you know what I mean? Like exaggerating ability and stuff like that and not like, yo, I'll spray your grandmother with the drum. You know I what know. I mean? And like, I, 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 I pistol whip you with the, smack you with the tool. You know, it's like, I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm just a right though. <laughs> nah, I mean, I've been talking about uh, a lot of these shootings here in Athens in recent episodes. And I was talking to the father of one of these kids that got killed. Apparently, people was like jealous that he was blowing up musically. And people like, and like a bunch of people conspired to like take this 20 year old child's life. So like crazy. yeah, it, it goes like yo, I'm gonna spray your car up, and then let people they will literally, literally go spray your car up. Yeah, I mean, you like, know, I mean, yeah. Hey, if if it's like you know, the words are power, you know what I'm saying? It's like we we all have the right to say what we want, but it's like shit can manifest, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, you know, to that extent, it's like you got to be mindful of the things that you put out there in the world, you know. But yeah. that's it for us today. We are going to bounce, but you know we're going to be back next week with some dope shit. Yes. Hey, Joel, you drop a beat. Wait, no reparations. Wait, no reparations. <laughs> Wait, no reparations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, who the hell ill of the knife? Riddle me that. Do you all know where I'm lyrically at? I'm lyrically at a level levitating you chumps Cause I'm sitting in the woods meditating with monks Then I'm breaking a blunt and I'm thinking a skunk Cause I gotta smoke like every day of the month I won battles first place, not a fake or a stunt Should I make a favorite rap after staying in a slump? I'll rework it till it seemed perfect I did freestyle battles, no rehearse shit <laughs> I did freestyle battles, no rehearse shit Imagine me, we up on stage, we bachelor Thinking to myself, look how he got gap teeth. Do I attack these or the fat keys? The class geek, I better slash deep. So I be going for his family. Like, hey, hi to mom. I thought I saw her walking last week. Or maybe I was passing the gas. He's trashy. But to look a little closer. But the fragrance was so nasty. I had to hail a taxi to a different galaxy. Now the crowd's clapping and gasping. I'm beating ass badly. But I feel a little sad. We be tearing each other down for props and spread. Especially when he's as back. Yo, my mom's is dead. I'm Lingua Franca. I'm Dope Knife, and we are and waiting, we are on, waiting reparations. on reparations. And your mama Yo. sucks dicks in hell. <laughs> I hate everything about you. I hate the way you look. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, 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 hey. <laughs> but for real, though, we see you next week. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch, so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.